uh, as I was looking through some resources online in preparation for today's service, I found this, this story. Once I saw this guy on a bridge about to jump, I said, don't do it. He said, nobody loves me. I said, God loves you. Do you believe in God? He said, yes. And I said, are you a Christian or a Jew? He said, a Christian. And I said, me too. Protestant or Catholic? He said, Protestant. I said, me too. What franchise? He said, Baptist. I said, me too. Northern Baptist or Southern Baptist? He said, Northern Baptist. I said, me too. Northern Conservative Baptist or Northern Liberal Baptist? He said, Northern Conservative Baptist. I said, me too. Northern Conservative Baptist Great Lakes Region or Northern Conservative Baptist uh, Eastern Region? He said, Northern Conservative Baptist Great Lakes Region. I said, me too. Northern Conservative Baptist Great Lakes Region Council of 1879 or Northern Conservative Baptist Great Lakes Region Council of 1912. He said, Northern Conservative Baptist Great Lakes Region of 1912. I said, die, heretic, and pushed him over. If you use your Unitarian Universalist Universal Translators, I'm sure you can come up with dozens of parallel stories for that one. For centuries and maybe even millennia, each time people have come to fervently believe they have a new understanding or a better grasp on something than those who went before them of the truth, the truth. They've broken away, or they've fought. They've broken away either way and formed new branches or totally new faith traditions altogether. Since Judaism began in the Bronze Age, as best I am given to understand, and I have not checked that with my rabbi twin, it divided into 12 tribes, 10 of which have disappeared to some extent, and there are various explanations for that. Um, but out of the two remaining tribes springs at some point Christianity and Islam. And within each of those sects and denominations have come multiple traditions of other sects, divisions, de denominations, branches, and differences of all shapes and sizes. Having paper trouble today. So, by the time I was in high school, 
I start. I began to overhear, and I can't really pinpoint where. People talking about the puzzling contrast between notions of a vengeful and angry God demanding of adoration and this compassionate, forgiving, self-sacrificing Son of God who really wasn't the Son of God, but was God himself. Later on, I heard people speak of conflicting instructions here and there. Uh, folks in some of the particular circles I found myself in would talk about the inconsistency between the Old Testament or the Hebrew Testament, the God of the Hebrew Testament, uh, in which you know Jewish law, with it's not 10, but 613 commandments. And the God that Jesus and his followers painted as love and instructing us to love others as much as we love ourselves. So in that Christian Testament, Jesus, when confronted with Pharisees and Sadducees, uh, breaks the law down to two. He's asked what's most important, and he said, First of all, to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all of your soul and with all your mind. And that the second is like unto it, to love your neighbor as yourself. And upon these two laws hang all of the, uh, on these two commandments hang all the laws and the prophets. So we went from 613 down to two. And then, do what? 613? Now we're back to 613. <laughs> uh, so, of course, in the first book of the Hebrew Testament, in the beginning, humankind was only given one rule. And we didn't do very good with that one. Now, don't eat the fruit from the tree. That one tree, leave it alone. I think it's somewhat mindless uh, to, for people to make the initial assumption that people are people and people will always just be people. Or that God is something that has this, this changing personality. So some time ago, I began to think what if the text were really more a testament of the changing understanding of humankind than a reflection of a changing God or divinity? Now keep in mind we are in our Jewish and Christian heritage pillar, so our focus for this few weeks is on um, Judaism and Christianity. But as children grow up, don't we begin by making the guidelines and rules easy enough that they can understand them and most likely remember and have a good chance of being successful at following them? Don't we start real simple? And for a few decades at least, um, the older they get, 
the more in life they encounter and the more decisions they have to make and the more guidelines and rules get laid out in front of them. How and when to brush their teeth and bathe. What snacks they can have when. Um, not to hit their siblings or playmates. Not to speak disrespectfully to grown-ups or run with scissors. Um, rules about where the clean and dirty dishes go. Uh, not, to, not to cut classes. Skip school. Don't text and drive. Don't drink and drive. Don't have unprotected sex. I mean, each step, the adults responsible for the younger children make new rules and, uh, and guidelines intended to make survival more likely and coexistence better for all. I see a parallel here. Of course, we know growing up is not a straight line. Emotional, social, and spiritual maturity all seem to follow somewhat crooked, if not meandering, paths. Eventually, finally, if we're lucky, we reach a point in maturity that we can step away from the thousands of specific rules and move toward a few guiding principles by which we measure our decisions and rest, uh, and, and the rest becomes much simpler, though perhaps even more challenging. I think the ultimate guiding principle is love. But according to the multi-layered and chaptered Jewish-Christian tradition out of which Unitarian Universalism has come, the God in the scriptures, as I read, uh, as I read them, did think we were capable of reaching that point where we could let those guiding, those simple guiding principles lead the way. Now, in preparation for speaking on the subject, I watched a video of an interview that Bill Moyers did with a man named Robert Wright, who wrote a book titled The Evolution of God. I think Bill Moyers generally invites credible people on his show. Um, well, Robert Wright spoke some about the historic cycles of understanding regarding a transcendent source of meaning, uh, that during periods when groups can gain by cooperation and interdependent relationships, the religions of those times begin to find within their doctrines, teachings, and scriptures tolerance and inclusion that support that behavior. When groups feel that their material things and values are threatened, they will find in their scriptures and in their traditions, doctrines, and uh, creeds, not creeds, but anyway, it's things that support belligerence. He goes on to point out, and this is a quote, 
Humanity is repeatedly given a choice to progress morally and accept more people into the moral circle or pay the price of social chaos. We've been there before and we're there now. If people do not get better at acknowledging the humanity of other people, and that's all people. And even putting themselves in the shoes of the other people, then we may pay the price of social chaos. The system is set up that way and creates a kind of moral axis that we can't help but orient ourselves to or orient ourselves toward. So will our particular evolution include becoming better at putting ourselves in other people's shoes that we might consider other Don't have to, if it's not your path, you don't have to agree with it. But can you get better at putting yourself in their shoes so you understand how they got there? And as Richard Rohr, I think, was talking this morning, seeing into the heart of somebody else makes you love them. Anyway. You know, the, Robert Wright pointed out that even secular Buddhists believe there is a moral truth, a transcendent source of meaning that we are trying to come more in alignment with. In our time, there are certainly many groups in both camps. Those who see the most potential in, uh, for gain and cooperation and those who most feel their, their values threatened. The difference now is that for the first time in history, at least in recorded history, we have some vague global awareness of the other groups. at least the largest ones around the globe. And we have some as yet vulnerable tools for working together en masse. I mean, like the internet can go down any second. You know, satellites be turned off. The tools we have are quite vulnerable. But they're there, they're available for us to work together with people unlike us, um, whatever us is. So, if we can break our inclinations toward fear and negative, negativity quickly enough, we might make some headway.
if that awareness is coupled with a growing depth of self-awareness, if we can begin to recognize how truly powerful we are when we work together, directed by the power and vision born and grounded in moral truth and great love. If we dare to take responsibility for the influence we have on the world around us, subtle or otherwise, we can participate in the next evolution of God, of connection, of awakening. Our closing hymn is number 23 in the Greyhard Back Hymn.